0: Hello friends! Hi! It is 6 o'clock and as you guys all know, that means it's office hours with me, uh, Kate Monken. So I'm here. Uh, I am taking any questions that you might have about the industry. It's been two weeks so hopefully uh, some of you will join me. Let me know if you're here and uh, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Um, audition season It's here, friends. She's here and she's ready and she's mighty and there are a lot of really cool projects happening. So if you have any questions for me, um, please, please, please ask them because this is a totally judgment-free zone. If you think it's a stupid question or if you think it's something you should already know, guess what, I don't care. I'm here to answer it because I'm here and I'm a free resource and I will be here for an hour to answer anything that might be on your mind um, oh hey Phil I'm so glad that you're here I love you very much um seriously so if you have anything that is on your mind that is a question um, about this industry please just ask it and if you don't want to ask it in public feel free to DM it to me and um, I'll check those and I won't use your name but I always like to say at the start of office hours please know that everything that I'm telling you is solely based on my experience uh, in this industry, the offices that I've worked in, my office, uh, the projects that I've worked on, and the experiences that I've had. So if something I'm saying resonates with you, awesome. Take that advice and run with it. If something I'm saying doesn't sound right to you or doesn't feel good to you, then 100% don't listen to me because everyone's on their own journey and I'm just here to be as helpful as I can. So. Um, as you guys like to know, as I'm waiting for some questions, I have some that people have already asked me and I'm going to get to those first, but I always like to talk a little bit about something that I've experienced in the last two weeks or something that I've experienced with, um, a fellow artist in the last two weeks. And this time I just really wanted to talk. My husband said something the other day that, uh, really blew my mind. Um, he said to me, it's amazing, Kate, all of the best things that come out of your life are when you have quit something when you have walked away from something. And, uh, it like really kind of knocked me for a loop because he was totally right. time that I had, uh, a moment where I allowed myself to walk away from something that was safe or something that was, um, provided to me and took the risk to try something different or to make a decision that, um, went against the grain or whatever whatever the decision was at that time, whether it was me leaving my BFA program that I was a part of after my freshman year because I was not, um, myself was not whole there. And so I walked away from that program or it was leaving a very good casting job to start my own company uh, in a time where that's like a crazy decision, but I just wanted to do it and I needed to do it. All of these things were really, 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 really difficult decisions to make. Even though my gut knew exactly what it wanted to do, I thought that by quitting something or walking away from something, I was um, making a decision that other people were going to judge me for or I wasn't going to be taken seriously because of it or I would never be able to complete that thing again or whatever it was. And the reality is, and this is the thing that I just want to reiterate before I get to your questions, nobody is living your life but you honestly nobody has time to care about how you spend your days other than you even your mom even your partner even your best friend a they just want you to be happy and if you're in a situation where you're unhappy or you're not making productive decisions or you feel like you're wasting your time or you feel like you have more to offer then All those people close to you want is for you to be thriving. So if you have the bravery or the audacity or the stupidity or whatever it is to walk away from something, you have to do it because again, ain't nobody got time to worry about what you're doing with your day because they got to worry about their shit. They got to worry about what's going on in their day and they got a lot of stuff going on. So this idea of if you're doing something that you are not fulfilled with or it's letting you down or it's bringing you down you are not a failure because you are a quitter and this is something that I want to say the word quitting has such a negative connotation and the reality is it shouldn't it's walking away from something that's not serving you right and okay people do that all the time I'll be sitting in line at Starbucks and it's taking too long I walk away I quit this line goodbye wasn't serving me there's another one on the next block thank you like that's the reality so I just want to reiterate that you are not a failure if you are a quitter, okay? And I mean that not from a place of quitting is, um, is uh, like a negative thing. I mean it in reality. You have to do the things that serve you and be brave and be bold and make decisions that are going to better the rest of your life. And if you're doing something right now that is not making you feel that way, I hope to encourage you to make some strategic decisions to get out, to get out and try something new because every time I've left something that wasn't serving me or made me feel less than or didn't make me feel empowered or I knew there was no hope for growth and I just did something different, I have found some semblance of success, even if it's just personal success, even if it's just like success in my own well-being and my own brain um, and I just really wanted to make that what we talked about today, because you're allowed to change your mind. You are allowed to still be an artist in a different way. You are allowed to not wanna be an artist anymore and do something else. You are allowed to change your craft or enhance your craft or do something different. And I guarantee no one will look at you as a failure. And the only person who will have to look at your face in the mirror every day and live with your decisions is you. So you have to make choices that are actually going to make that happen for you. So that's just my little my little nugget of wisdom for the week. Um, as someone who has left many of projects and many a thing in my time to, until I found the thing and the project and my business and what I do, uh, I can tell you it's liberating, exhausting, terrifying, and tremendous when you finally make that decision. So do those things okay now let's get to some questions um I don't think that any of you have left me questions yet but I do have some questions that people have already asked me so I'm gonna get to that if you have a question for me please 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 feel free to put it in the comments below or send me a direct message um, and I will be sure to get to it okay I only stay here for as long as you all need me so feel free to tag your friends feel free to share this video if there are people that you think might have questions about anything audition related anything industry related tell them to get on this video because I only will stay here for as long as you guys need me. All right, first question that I have here is, oh, that album is of my face. All right, the first question that I have here is, um, okay. So this is about commercial dancers. So thoughts of headshots slash body shots for dancers now in the commercial track. What do you look for if you don't do musical theater? Musical theater photos have always seemed to have a specific look and style wherever dancers in the commercial sector seem to have much looser guidelines for what casting directors are looking for. Okay. So this is like a headshot question and a body shot question. And we talk about headshots a lot, but I've never talked about this specifically. Um, I do see a lot of commercial dancers when I'm doing auditions for celebrity uh, because we hire a lot of you know, commercial dancers. And I see a lot of different things, everything from like literal Polaroids to beautiful glamor shots to all the things in between. I do think that if you have like a musical theater headshot and you're coming in for a commercial dance audition, that will absolutely suffice it also tells me something about you that you're most likely a musical theater performer and that you could probably be hired for like a singer dancer track which is very important information but if you are strictly a commercial dancer um you're right it's a lot looser for me what's useful for me to see is a whole body shot um and something that really shows your personality as a dancer what your aesthetic is as a dancer, where you live happily, because someone who does ballet is probably going to have a very different aesthetic from, like, we're talking about, like, very commercial uh, music video contemporary, all of these things. So for me, I think the most useful thing for someone who is going in for a dance call that is not a musical theater dance call, a commercial dance, is to have a picture that shows your body, but really does also show your face in its best light, and gives us a hint of your personality as a dancer, what it is that you do, what you specialize in, um, and how you can be useful in the room. Now clearly, you know, something like Celebrity, we do a technique across the floor first, and then we move on to commercial jazz, and then we do a contemporary. I mean, we're gonna put you through the the kind of ringer, but it is always helpful at the end of the day when I'm looking at headshots at the end with the team, and we're kind of going through, just to see your personality. And that goes for, in my opinion, every headshot, musical theater too. I don't need to see your whole body in musical theater, but in terms of what you need to be showing in that headshot, I do wanna see who you are. Um, and that can be everything from the way your eyes look uh, to the way that you're dressing. I do think if you go too costumey or if you make a really like bold choice in your headshot, um, if you're gonna use it all the time, just know that that really taints the way people are looking at you. So not in a negative way, I don't mean it's like, if you do that, you're always wrong by any means. But if you are wearing a specific, if you're wearing a shirt with like text on it, for example, or if you're um, wearing glasses or something in your headshot that really makes you almost a character um, or a caricature, as it were, just know that that's the thing you're leaving in the room. So I would always recommend having another shot as well um, that doesn't have that kind of stuff in it okay does that make sense yeah okay great Um, i have another question here that is if you see that someone previously played a role on a cruise ship production of a show would you see that as a huge plus factor in casting them for that role in the tour or broadway production or did specifically not make too much of a difference in casting them in a role either way Okay, well, this is kind of a specific question, but also a broader question. And that is, if you have played a role already that you're going in for in casting, does that influence a casting director's way that we view you? And I mean, of course, right? Like, if you're going in for a production of The Music Man, and you want to be seen as Marion, or seen for Marion, and you've played Marion, I mean, of course, if I'm looking at a resume, that means to me that, depending on the theater, depending on the production, someone has paid you to do this production before, which means a couple things. Like, I know you can probably sing through it. Uh, Depending on where the theater is, I know you can do it eight shows a week. Uh, Depending on who the director was on the production, I know what you can, you know, how you live in this world and, and what that world looks like. Now, The Music Man specifically, right, it depends. There was a production this summer that was a very contemporary version of The Music Man, still the same vocal range, but like, That's going to tell me something different. Now, specifically to your question, uh, if you've played it on a cruise ship, I mean, if you've done Grease on a cruise ship and you played Sandy, uh, as a casting director, clearly, you know, if I've seen you've played Sandy before and I'm doing a pretty traditional production of Grease, yeah, I mean, it it impacts the way I, I look at you. But the reality is every single creative team is looking for something different. Right, And at the end of the day, again, the casting director is the person who listens to the creative team's vision and then tries to find the people, goes through their mental Rolodex to find the people who will match that vision of the world that they're trying to create. So just because you've done a production of, let's say, like, We Will Rock You or Grease or whatever on a cruise ship, Legally Blonde, Chicago, if I'm working with a team who's doing something entirely different... Just because you've played the role doesn't mean that you're going to fit the world that they're trying to create right you don't know what they're trying to make characters look like or what what the environment they're trying to build is or you know if they're doing Greece and they're actually hiring 18 year olds to play these high school students or if they're hiring 30 year olds and then we have to match everybody to look the same so that they live in the same world and it doesn't look creepy right Um, but sure seeing that you've played a character certainly doesn't hurt. It definitely lets me know that you know the material, especially if maybe we're doing like a replacement moment where someone's dropped out of that tour and we have to replace someone ASAP. If I know that you've done the track before, that you probably already have everything memorized, that is very helpful. Um, It's very useful knowledge and depending on how your auditions go and all of that, um, I think it can be very, very useful for them Um, but again it's so specific and you know it it really depends on the show and it depends on who set the show directed the show all of that kind of jazz yeah does that make sense yeah all right Um, there was another question from this person that says what is a good guideline specifically for frequency to use in terms of following up with CDs is following up after every audition or callback or class that you see them in a good idea or is that just annoying for the CD I thought about every few months and combining things that I saw them at in one follow-up, but I don't want to feel like I wasn't thankful for the work we did in class or opportunity to audition for them if they don't hear from me right after. Okay, so this is something that I think is a great question, right? Um, When does communication become too much? When is it not enough? And, I, you know, this is a really personal, personal thing. I have said before and I will say it again, I don't think you need to say thank you for every single audition opportunity. However, if you're someone who doesn't get called in very often and you know that someone took a risk to bring you into the room or you know you requested an appointment and they granted it to you and that's something that doesn't happen very frequently, then yeah, I mean, send a thank you note and be very specific again about why you are thanking them. Because sometimes we don't know, right? Like sometimes we're not sure. And to get a note from someone that says, I really appreciate that you took a chance on bringing me into the room for this creative team after I submitted, it it, it was very generous. That's awesome. Um, if you feel like, you know, if it's an EPA situation, right? And like the casting director is in the room and you felt like this was the first time you met them and the first time you got to see them and it was a warm room and whatever, then sure. I mean, you have every right to send a note that says it was so lovely to finally get some FaceTime with you. Um, I really appreciate it. Now, here's the deal. Depending on the office, depending on how many people work in the office, depending on who opens the mail, these people may or may not get it. However, do not be the person who's sending something to the same office like twice a week, every week, or even once a week, every week. There's just no need. Um, You know, at some point it, it becomes too much and then it just looks, I hate to use the word desperate because I know that that's probably not where it's coming from. But if you've gotten to the place where you are sending something every single week, it just, it's it's a waste of your money and, and time. Be specific about your thank yous. I am someone who is all about like I love you. Thank you. I appreciate you and I genuinely mean it from the bottom of my heart every time but in terms of uh, Handwritten notes or saying thank you and things like that. I think it it should come from a place of um, like genuine thanks the reality is my job is to bring you into a space and your job is to show up so I don't necessarily need you to thank me for bringing you into the room unless it's something very, very, you know, I took a risk. I've never met you. Um, you submitted something and and I said yes for the first time. I don't need you to thank me for every appointment. If you book a show and you feel like I played a part in that in some way, I helped coach you. I helped in the room. I helped with something like that. Um, then I feel like that is worth saying thank you for. Um, so that's just something to think about. Um, it looks like I've been getting all of these messages and they just popped up on my ecam live and I, I haven't seen them. so I'm gonna I'm gonna see what's happening here to make sure that it's all working. Um, okay, so I think that I got some other questions. Let me check these out and I definitely do have another question as well. Oh, that's me talking. Um, great. So this question says, I have been considered for a few projects in which housing has been a major factor for consideration. What is the best way to stress that you have or can find local housing in a specific community, even if they know that you're based out of a different city? Okay. Great question. Um, yeah, of course, housing plays into, um, decisions, right? Because if someone, if a theater has to pay for additional housing for an actor, that's going to, you know, play into contract things and all of that. So I do think if you are, if you're just walking into an audition, for example, like if you get called in for something and you show up, make sure on your resume, at the top of your resume, it says, you know, Washington, DC local, but can be a New York local hire or whatever. Make it bold, highlight it, all the things. If you're submitting something if you're sending an email 100% make sure that you say in the email you'll see that I'm a DC native but I absolutely can be in New York and have housing no problem like just say it just find a way to say it even if it's in the room do you know what I mean find a way to make sure that they are aware of that truth also you don't need to put in my opinion I don't need to have like an address of yours on a resume Um, The reality is I need your website. I need your direct phone contact and I need an email to you And then I need your agent's information if you have it. Um, I don't need like an address on your website So if this is something that happens a lot to you uh, Especially if it's like a DC New York thing or if it's like a Philly New York thing I don't need you to put that you live in Philadelphia If you know you can get to New York and you know you can make it all work Then just show up and I don't need you to tell me you're a Philly native however If you get a contract and you don't mention conflicts or you don't bring up that you're from Philly and talk about a potential, like, train issue or that you're from D.C., that's when it gets a little shady. You have to be honest when you're giving booking information, and that is something that, especially if you don't have an agent who's going to be helping you out, you really need to to be thoughtful about. Um, Okay, I hope that was helpful. Let me know. Um, what was it like starting your own company? What brought the need to start your own company? And what advice would you give to someone who wanted to do the same? Uh, starting my own company was terrifying, but no longer not an option. I got to a place where I knew, um, it sounds very dramatic and Daenerys Targaryen, but I want to break the wheel. I want to focus. I knew I wasn't doing the kind of work that I wanted to do. I wanted to be working on uh, theater. I wanted to be working on really interesting projects with difficult finds and difficult gets. I wanted to be a part of a community of newer artists. I wanted to get to meet young, cool artists who I wanted to help match with talent, with their projects. And I knew that if I didn't just establish what it was that I wanted to do, that I wanted to be someone who openly communicated with artists and, 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 did it my own way, then I was never gonna be happy. So I just had to make the leap. Things that I definitely learned about starting your own business that are wildly important. You have to know what you stand for, and you have to be really vocal about it because everybody's starting their own thing. We are a generation of entrepreneurs, and if you don't have a very distinct point of view and you don't know how to talk about it and share it, then ain't nothing ever going to happen for you because the world is so saturated. And there are always going to be people who are doing it better and bigger than you are, and that's just something you have to get used to. Also, if you're starting your own business, be prepared to hustle for your Life because there will always be other people gunning for your projects, there will always be other people who are trying to do your thing, and you also have to be aware that when you start sharing your ideas and sharing your hustle, other people are going to start doing it. They're going to start doing the same thing that you're doing, and you're just going to have to laugh it off and deal with it. Because if you have a strong point of view, you know how to sell yourself, you know what it is that you want to be creating, and who the artists are that you want to be working with, you can be successful. You just have to wake up early. You have to stay late. You have to hustle till your bones hurt. You have to hire good people to work with you. You have to keep track of all of your money. Keep track of your money. It's very important. Where's that money going? Where is it staying? When do do you need to spend it? When do you need to open a credit card? All of these things are wildly important. But I think the most important thing about opening your own business is really knowing why you're doing it. If you can work with somebody else who will take care of all of the business hustle and feel confident and good and like you're working on projects you care about and like your point of view is being used and coming across, then do it. Work for somebody else because the, the kind of bones and structure of starting your own business, which P.S. every actor is their own business. If you didn't hear me in the back, every actor is their own business. So when you go into business as an actor or any other business person, If you don't know why you are there, nobody is going to choose you. And I know what I care about and I know what I wanna work on. I like working on new material. I like working on interesting, thoughtful, edgy pieces that other people maybe are scared of. I like working with young, interesting, Artists who have very specific points of view. I like going to weird shows and finding cool people who are doing interesting things. I like working with uh, women. I really love working with women. These are things that I'm passionate about. I'm also very passionate about education and opening doors and connecting people and um, being as, as accessible as possible. That was really important to me. And when you work for somebody else, you don't have that luxury, right? Because you are having to fight for somebody else's point of view. So it got to a point where I could no longer not do it. And then you just have to say yes. And you have to go out. You have to meet people. You have to talk about why you care about what you do. You have to create your own groups you have to work in peer groups you have to work together as a young community of entrepreneurs you have to let go of some of your dreams you have to create new ones you have to pay a lot of money up front. Um, you have to find people who are willing to give you space and share and be generous all of these things it's a lot of work but it's I've had my business for a year now I have turned a profit and I am just happy every day that I get to work on the work that I do. So if you're starting your own business, dig deep, have a point of view and just ask for help. Don't pretend like you have all the answers because I guarantee you, you don't, you don't. So just ask for help and be ambitious as fuck. Be ambitious as you can and just ask, ask for what you want and take it. If no one's gonna give it to you, take it, create it. Tell someone they need you and then tell them why and then show up and be the best. And then, when someone's not on your team, let it go and move on to the next one. That's how you can build a business. Ah, let me know if that's helpful. Okay, um, great. So, this says As a non union newbie to the industry, what's the best way to start getting in front of agents, both theater, film, and TV? Um, okay, so, great. Um, this is a question that I've talked about a lot. So go back and listen to some of the uh, podcasts or find some of the old videos because we talk about this a lot. But I definitely think in terms of getting in front of agents for both film and TV, um, if you're specifically looking to get in front of agents, I mean, first and foremost, if you're a newbie, I think more important than getting in front of agents for film and TV is getting footage, is doing student films, is finding your friends and making footage because unless you have something to show agents, they're not gonna wanna work with you. They need to see product, they're gonna need to see what it is that you do, they're gonna wanna see that you have some credits. Um, So once you've built a reel, once you've built some things that you're working on, I think the number one thing that you can do is to do things like go to one-on-one, Actors Connection, Actors Launchpad, growing studio, these places where you have those opportunities. However, don't go to those places until you have something to show until you know what your point of view is until you have footage, until you have those credits and you can be doing those things. You can be applying for those things. You can be creating those things on your own without an agent, especially as a non-union performer. So that's my first, my first step is like you have to create a foundation to tell someone what it is that you can do for them and that's that's not like people when i say that are like but isn't that what an agent is supposed to do for you and i just want to remind everybody that's not just a an art industry thing that's like pretty much every industry you have to have a product if you want someone to mass produce it for you right like you can't just walk up to shark tank and say I I don't have an idea, but I want you to give me money, (laughs) right? Like, you have to have the product, you have to have the pitch, you have to know what it is that you're selling and why. And so that would be my first thing is to be submitting for projects online, non-union projects, and to be asking your friends, creating with other people, going to events like the Common Ground, which is a totally free thing and you should totally check it out. The next one I believe is on the 25th. I'll be there. I'll be hosting it with Ben Edelman. It's going to be at the Tank. Places like that where you can meet other creatives and start creating together. Then once you have that package, going to places where you can meet agents, um, pay-for-play experiences, if you will, and, and then being able to sell that way. I hope that's helpful. We talked about this a lot in other podcasts and other um, videos. So feel free to go to my website, www.kate-lumpkin.com, to find all of those archived podcasts or go to apple.com slash iTunes podcasts, whatever, and search for uh, Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin. There's hours and hours and hours of free content there. So you should check that out. Um, Okay. I got a question that says, would love to hear more about how to break into casting, particularly when you no longer have the financial means for unpaid internships. Um, The truth of the matter is, uh, for me, my entire casting career uh, has been a lot of uh, right place at right time, asking for what I want, creating my own stuff. So uh, my first job, I, I literally asked, I sent an email to everybody that I knew that was like, this is what I want. How can I make this happen? who do you know that can be a helper and luckily the person that i ended up working for first was on that email and they needed an assistant and wrote me and i went and started working and that's how i learned and that's how that happened um and then the next job that i got i literally was sitting next to someone at an opening night and they were like what do you do and i said well i work in casting and they were like me too we have an opening do you want to come interview and i did and got it and then you know so on and so forth, and then people start passing your name around, and that's kind of how this works is when you go from one office to the next, especially at the beginning of your career, people are helpers and they pass your information along. So at some point, if you've been doing unpaid internships, if you've been doing internships and you're ready to like take the leap and do this full time as, as someone who works in casting, I think it's really about asking people that you know and connections that you know and saying, this is it, this is what I want. This isn't a fallback job because it's not. If you think it is, you're wrong. Um, If this is what you want, then you just, I think, have to put it out there and ask and keep fighting for it. Um, It's an apprentice-based job and and so you learn as you grow and create, uh, you know, as you work on projects and as you work in different offices, so at some point Uh, you know, for the first several years of me doing this, I was not making enough money to live. I had to do other jobs. A lot of people in casting have other jobs as bartenders, as servers, as all sorts of things at the start. I certainly could not afford to pay all of my bills in New York when I started working in casting. Um, But that's kind of the reality. Uh, You know, we are freelancers just as much as actors. We live paycheck to paycheck, just like actors. So at some point, that's the gig. You just have to ask for what you want. And I think that's how people become successful in casting and I think that's how people get the jobs that they want. So that's my two cents about that. Um, Alright, so great. Come through making your own work. Yes, I love that. Okay, so I think I've answered all the questions that people have been asking right now. I did have one other question that was asked to me before this happened, which was, lots of CDs are having classes start up in the next few weeks. What's your take on the best questions to ask in the room and the best and least obtrusive way to follow up and stay on their radar afterwards? This is a really great question. Um, And, yes, lots of people are starting to teach classes again. And here's what I have to say about that, guys. This is a great time to hop into those classes Uh, because no matter what kind of class it is, whether it's a really, like, teachy-teachy, learny-learny class or if it's really, like, a meet-and-greet, class whatever audition season is happening and a lot of people are trying to meet new people and get exciting new lists and really try to meet uh you know people that they haven't met before um so it's a really wonderful time it's an important time to hop into classes again i've said this before and i'll say it again you need to be very specific about the classes you're taking you need to do your research casting directors are hired for a lot of reasons And we are like, we are artists, and people have specific aesthetics and specific worlds that they live in and that they gravitate towards. If you hire Telsey, you're going to, you know, hire a very specific aesthetic. If you hire, uh, you know, Tara Rubin's office, you you get a specific aesthetic. And you can see the trends of shows that they tend to work on, right? Um, If you know someone works for, is, is casting stuff at the public, or someone who's casting for, um, you know, Playwrights Horizons. These different people have very different aesthetics and different lists, so you need to do your research on what CDs are working on what projects, and know who the CDs are that kind of live and create in the worlds that you know you are right for, right? Because there are certain people who live in the world of a revival. 100% of their life, 100% of their time. And if it's not a revival, it's a new show that's about life before 1990, right? Like, that, there are people that we know who live there. Um, they need to only go to classes with people who are casting projects that are kind of of that world. And I say only because you shouldn't be spending so much money to meet everybody. When you can hone in what it is that you do better than everybody else, and you can meet the people who can actually associate and connect you with the projects that are that thing. So once you've done your research research and you've figured out who those people are and you've signed up for their classes, I think, in terms of your question specifically, you said um, what are the best questions to ask in the room? First and foremost, ask questions just don't be the person who sits there silently i'm not saying you need to ask a question every five minutes i don't want you to you know think like oh, okay you told me i need to raise my hand every two seconds and like be known all the time no but it does show that you're aware you're paying attention you have interesting questions i think depending on the person that you're working with the questions are going to change but like if you feel like someone is giving a lot of advice that's like industry related then maybe ask a question that's about the industry. If you feel that a CD is giving a lot of advice that has to do specifically to text or to presentation, then, then h- focus your questions in on what the strengths of that person are. Not because they can't answer another question, but because you're actually going to get a, a more useful answer if you're actively listening to how they teach, right? Um, when I'm teaching... In a, in a classroom environment. And I, I am going to be doing another workshop in October. So if you're not on my mailing list, go to my website and subscribe. I would love to have you guys there. Um, again, it's kate-lumpkin.com, and you can subscribe to be on my newsletter. I'll make that announcement in the next week or so as to where that's happening and when, but it will be in October. And if you come to my class, you'll see I really teach an audition workshop from a place of it's, it's textual, but I really like to put the text into the context of the audition as a whole, which is really about the industry and about how your material is serving you in that space. So if someone asks a question from that perspective, A, that makes a ding, ding, ding go off in my head of like, oh, this person is an active listener. This person understands the world I'm trying to create in this classroom, and I can really serve them because I can really answer this question. So... That, to me, I think is the best way to interact with a teacher or with a person that you presume is in a position of power, is to find where they hold their power and dig into that, because it will make them feel heard, it will make them feel useful, and it will make them remember you. So, there's that. Um, And also, I would always say in a class, never come from a place of being defensive. Nothing turns someone off more quickly than defensiveness in my... In the history of my life Um, so if you're asking a question really make it a question and not a declarative statement that is coming from a place of defense Um, I think in a classroom environment we should all kind of be together on a team and it doesn't need to come from a place of uh, defensive nature it just it's just not it's not gonna be useful to you Um, and people will remember you but maybe not for the things that you want them to yeah um one second In terms of following up with people, I do think it's appropriate to follow up after a class. Um, And I would just be really specific. Again, specificity is the stuff of the gods, right? When you take the time in a note to say, hey, when you said this thing, it really opened up my eyes, and I'm really grateful for that specific piece of advice. Or, hey, when I watched you working with so-and-so, I really saw a change that I applied to myself in an audition the next day, and it was super useful. That kind of thing, that kind of specificity, that kind of um, taking in of advice and then saying thank you on a really specific level is gonna make a note and yourself as a human and as a performer really stand out, right? I know that when I'm working with someone who's teaching me something, I remember the moment, the specific moment that actually makes the difference. And that's the thing that I wanna be thankful for. Um, And I've found that when I say thank you for something specific, it really enhances a relationship with a person, especially someone who I see as, um, uh, who I admire or who I'm grateful for the the knowledge. Um, and at the end of the day, that's really what your thank you should be. Your thank you should be, if, you're, if you've gone to a class, I do think a thank you note or follow up, it needs to come within the week um, because a lot of CDs teach classes every week, some of them multiple times a week. So I would send that note so that they remember you from that class Um, and it should really come from a place of specificity of learning because otherwise if it's just like thank you so much for letting me into your class I appreciate it okay you could be anyone in that room but if you say thank you for a specific question you asked or thank you for something you learned I feel like that's like the way to go I feel like that's what everybody wants just like you know if you're eating a delicious meal but something really stands out that's the thing that you thank the chef for right that's that's how this works I think So that is my answer to that question. I will also say um, that it is important to not spend all of your money on classes with CDs. You also should be spending your money on your, your other kinds of training. Guys, voice lessons are so important. Going to dance classes that challenge you to pick up choreography is so important. Working with a coach on your rep or working you know, on your monologues or if you have really difficult sides, those things are probably going to serve you more than going to meet with CDs, especially if you haven't done your homework on figuring out who is actually going to serve you in the long run. If you're just throwing spaghetti against the wall and saying like, oh, well, they cast this show that I really like, I should go meet them. It's not going to work for you. But going to a voice lesson where you're working on the rep in your book and you're challenging yourself to become a better vocal performer. When you go to an open call, you're gonna stand out more because your instrument is going to be better. Your the quality of the the work that you're doing is gonna be better. So do not spend all of your money that you are, you know, we have to spend money in every industry across the board. Anybody who wants to do anything has to spend money on different things. That is our world right now, whether we like it or not. I try to make everything as affordable or as free as possible, but the reality is we live in a world where you have to spend money. I have to spend money to make money. But we can be smarter about how we're spending it. And I think investing in training, real training, investing in workshops, investing in dance classes and voice lessons and things like that, which actually help your craft are also so, so, so important. So find a way to start budget managing that stuff, um, because it will serve you, it will serve you a lot. Um, okay. So it looks like I don't have any more questions right now. Oh! Yes, yes, I do. I've completely lied. Um, So this says, I'm curious to know, do you accept any or all casting projects that come your way, or do you envision a time, either presently or in the future, when you as a casting director dictate which projects to cast? If so, what sort of criteria would you use to... Dictate which projects you take on, i.e., work that speaks to you specifically, people you like working with, maybe prefer casting theater over film. I suppose, in summary, what kinds of projects do you enjoy casting now, and is there anything you want to do more of in the future? Well, that's a really great question. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I completely dictate which projects I take and which projects I don't. Um, I have my own company, so I get to make those choices. Um, I, I do prefer casting a theater over film and TV. I've done both. Um, I have found that in New York, you know, the talent pool is, is often the same. Uh, everyone kind of wants to do both, but for me, the projects that I really care about, the things that I'm really passionate about working on, are, are theater. Um, so I gravitate towards that first and foremost. It is my first, deepest, and richest love. Um, so I'm really passionate about them. Um, I do have a a desire to work on new work um i like pieces that are challenging and as a casting director i really like things where i have to really push myself to find uh people uh that are different um that are tricky uh casts that really challenge me but i also you know i, I love 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 all projects I mean I really do um, so for me I think hopefully there comes a point where I have a problem because I want to do everything the reality is I want to do everything right now um, but in terms of the future uh, my great hope would be that I have so, so 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 many opportunities that it just becomes devastating that I can't take them all and and when I have to start making those choices uh, I do think that a lot of it comes down to who I will be working with on a creative team um, that impacts so much the work that I do because my kind of job is to be the glue between a creative team, uh, and an actor. I am the piece between them. So who I would be working with in pre-pro, um, who I'd be working with in the space, that kind of stuff makes a big difference. Um, and there are definitely directors that I have met and have worked with and who I just have great relationships with. I feel like I understand their aesthetic. I feel like we speak a similar language. I feel like I, know what they want and can anticipate their needs before, um, they have them. And then there are some people that I, I don't have that same connection with. And, and I think those people should find their Kate Logan. You know, I I think that's like a brilliant, uh, brilliant thing to have. And that's why you see directors go to the same CDs every time because they know that person gets what their aesthetic is. They know that that person is going to bring actors into the room that speak to them. Um, And so a huge part of my job is meeting directors, meeting creatives, meeting GMs that I speak a similar language to and have a similar artistic aesthetic so that I can provide what they're looking for. Um, And that takes time. So, you know, that's, that's that. Um, I, uh, is there something I want to do more of in the future? Yeah. I want a Broadway show. Yeah. I want to cast a show on Broadway. That, I would love that very much. Um, and I'm looking forward to the day when I get to cry because that happens. Um, just like every actor, man, that's, that's the dream. I'd also love to cast something for the BBC. That would be a dream as well. If I could cast the next Sherlock-esque series or some big, beautiful period drama for the BBC, I, I would lose my damn mind. So, yeah, sure, absolutely. And when those things happen, you guys will be the first to know. And I will openly weep like a child because a lot of my dreams would come true. Um, Great, so I think those are all the questions that I've been asked so far. Please feel free uh, if you have any more to ask them. I did wanna talk about something that you all have an interest in, um, and that is EPAs. So I sat in this week on several days of EPAs, and as I was sitting there, something that I do a lot, Uh, I was thinking, oh, there are lots of things that I would like to tell people um, oh, That's such a close relationship, I assume that sort of arbitrary to as a wide down to huh. Oh, yeah, I mean, this, this person just said, I didn't realize that directors and casting directors have such, uh, close relationships. And the reality is, I don't know how everybody else works. I don't. But I like to create really strong relationships with directors because I really like to know what world they're trying to create, um, how to best uh, meet their needs. And if I know them as a human, if I, if I get to have real time with them and, and be a part of their, true part of their creative team, that's that's when I think the best work comes out of it. Um, you know, and when, when I know someone trusts me to do my job, when I know I'm not gonna be uh, questioned or having to prove myself because I'm young or because I have my own company, when I have a really strong relationship with someone and I know they're gonna trust me to get the shit done, that's when I get to do my best work. Um, so I wanna talk about EPAs before we end. We are at 45 minutes, so if you have any questions, get them in, because we're out of here at 15. Um, so I was sitting in on these EPAs this week, something I do a lot of, and I just wanted to say a couple things, because EPA season is upon us. Um, a couple things that I noticed, and notice a lot, and I really want to um, put out there. A couple, Faux pas, a couple great things, but here are some things about EPAs. Um, If you want to do something that you think is shticky to make yourself stand out, you shouldn't probably do it. Uh, It's very, very, very rare that I've seen someone do something that's like a little shticky that I know they're trying to do to make themselves stand out where it's actually paid off. Um, oftentimes here's the deal with EPA days there, there gets to be a routine right so I'm sure when you walk in you see piles of headshots you know different piles mean different things PS you don't know what those piles mean, so don't make any assumptions about what you're seeing but it gets helpful when there's a routine I'm sitting in that room or a CD or an assistant or someone is sitting in that room for nine hours eight hours eight or nine hours depending on the day and in order to get through that having a routine and letting it happen in a very kind of mechanical way um, is actually really useful to be able to stay present for that amount of time. It's a lot of time to stay present. And you know I really try to stay present and actively listen and actively partake in the work that's going on. So in order to make that happen, having some semblance of a routine, a person walks in, a person says hello, I ask them what they're doing, they do the thing, we say thank you so much, have a great day, and then we leave. That's really, really, really helpful for me to actually be an active listener. So when someone breaks that routine and does something sticky or does something, some sort of magic trick moment to, to make me remember them, a lot of times, honestly, I actually kind of resent it because it it pulls me out, it, it seems forced, it's not doing the thing that you want it to do. It is very, very, very rare that someone has a Barbra Streisand with the gum under the the, you know, um, stool moment that becomes iconic lore of the gods. However, people get jobs from EPAs. You have to show up for them. If you are not at a place where, um, you know, you are at an offer only experience, going to an EPA can serve you. Uh, the project I was working on this week, we called back lots of people from the EPA. Um, The team was really excited and open about finding new people. And and it was, you know, thrilling for me to be able to pull people from an EPA and and bring them in for appointments. Um, And the people who were most successful at that are the people who kind of take the, the routine seriously. It's like auditioning should feel like that moment. I don't know if if any of you watch tennis, but I went to the U.S. Open a lot this summer and I noticed tennis is like the only sport where both players in the final match like warm up together. Have you ever noticed this? In a tennis match, you know, we could be the final of Wimbledon and there's like a routine, right? Like people start by, you know, hitting back and forth and then they do volleys, they come to the net and then they go back and each person serves and like they warm up together. So I think that you can think of EPAs as like a tennis match warm up where we're all warming up together we follow the routine, it will become easier for everyone involved. So there's that. The other thing I will say is if you think you have found material that is like so on the nose and perfect for the production, you're like, oh my God, I I got this song and it is like, it's like it was written in the show, but it wasn't. I guarantee you a lot of other people are smart actors too, and they will do the same thing. So just FYI, um, know that if you think you have figured out the smartest, most like perfect thing that's going to work for that piece, um, I guarantee you other people will too. So you either need to know like nobody's going to do this better than me. I don't care if 14 other people do the same piece. I'm going to sing it better than all of them or find something else. Um, because people are actually really smart people understand how to read a breakdown and find text that's going to work in that world and so if it's something that's like really recent or something that was a really big hit or something that you're like ah this is really going to work just know i'm going to hear it 15 times in that day and so in order to get the call back from that or to get an appointment from that um you really 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 have to do something super special with it or just be so flipping good at it um Because at the end of the day, then I will be like, oh, well, you know, of the 14 people who sang, uh, come to your senses, this was the one that like really stood out to me, right? Like that just makes some sense. Um, okay. The other thing that I will say about EPA days is this, um, really, really, really take the time to, uh, read your breakdown. And like know what you're coming in for. Um, and this is like, especially for musical theater, um, now is the time to work on your book if you haven't worked on it in a long time. You need to know where you are in your career, where you are in life, where you are on the kind of like age spectrum, what you're actually coming in, in your brain for, to audition for. Because an EPA is like the warm-up before the tennis match. And the tennis match is getting the appointment and coming in and doing the work. And then when you get the cup, at the end of the tennis match, that's when you book the job. Um, so if we're thinking about this as kind of the, the warm up, the warm up is also used in tennis as a way to kind of size out where your partner is in that day, to see where they are, to see where they're leaning, to see if they have an ankle problem, to see what's going on with their injury, whatever it is, you are still feeling each other out in that warm up. So you better know when you go out to the court exactly what it is that you're serving. Um, and if you haven't taken the time to do that work, the first thing that I'm going to notice is that if you are coming in for a show and you're in your thirties and you think you're going to be singing for the like 17 year old track, uh, nine times out of 10, it's not going to work. You have to assess where you really are and get material that serves that and then sing material that serves the track that you're actually right for in the show. Um, There's nothing that breaks my heart more than seeing someone who's so talented and who has such a gift and who is so warm and so generous but really hasn't taken the time to assess where they actually are in their life and in their career and they haven't taken the time to match their material to that thing because it just doesn't serve them and it certainly isn't going to get them the job. Um, But that doesn't mean they're not talented, it just means they haven't done that work. Um, So those were some of the things that I noticed this week in EPAs. Um, I also noticed that people are bringing their A-game, honey. People are out for it. People want jobs. People are doing the work. People are coming in and making bold choices. People are stepping up their headshot game. So if you haven't done that in a while, it's time. I'm seeing lots of great headshots, um, lots of really beautiful headshots. Um, so if you haven't done yours in a while, it's time. you got to get them done because people are bringing, bringing in great things. They're making bold choices. They're doing really solid work. And again, here's the thing about EPAs. Auditioning is a muscle. It is an incredibly difficult muscle, and I love my job because I get to receive that. I feel like um, it's just such, such a gift, my job, but auditioning is hard. It's hard work. I've done it before, and I watch it every day, and if you don't flex that muscle, you suck at it. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality, right? Like, if, if any athlete doesn't show up to practice, they're not gonna win the US Open. Guys, Broadway is the US Open, it's no joke. And if that's what you're gunning for, if you're gunning for a really great regional work or if anything, you have to practice auditioning. And if you think that EPAs are a waste of time, I guarantee they're not. People have definitely booked jobs from them. And also it's great practice. It's a really wonderful opportunity to scare yourself a little bit, to show up and be nervous and to do the work and hopefully you know, meet some great people or get in front of people that might fall in love with you. And if not, at least you got up and you did it. So I know it's hard. I can't even actually imagine what everyone is feeling in those moments. I mean, I can, because I've done it before, but not right now. Um, I try to make the room as inviting as possible, but I'm also completely aware that for a lot of people, EPAs and, the, and open calls are, are practice. But you gotta treat it like it is your final callback because you could get an appointment from it. You can get a callback from it. People do good jobs. So, that's my little spiel on EPAs. It looks like I don't have any more questions. It is 6.55, so I am going to wrap it up, um, unless someone throws in one last question very quickly. Um, But, guys, I always like to end office hours by saying this. Being an artist in this world today is hard. It is impossible. Money is tight, and everything is commercial. And... Things are changing, and every day is something new and different and hard. Um, And I really, really, really value and respect anybody who's willing to wake up and fight this fight. If you are not at a place where you're willing to fight this fight anymore, it is... 100%, I'm just going to take it back to how we started this conversation, it is 100% to make decisions for your life that will make your heart and your brain happy. And no one is going to judge you for making any decisions for your happiness because at the end of the day, nobody has time to worry about how you spend the hours of your day because they just got to worry about their own. So if you're waking up every morning and you want to fight this fight, I honor and respect you and I'm so grateful to have you as a member of this community. If you're ready to make other decisions, make other decisions and live your life funny because you only got one and who knows how many days we have, right? So do the things that make your heart explode. And if you're not getting the opportunities that you want to be getting by fighting the fight, start creating with other people because nothing is more fulfilling than finding your tribe and creating it together. So ask for what you want, show up, Nobody can want it for you more than yourself. If you're given an opportunity, you have to show up. I can't want this for you more than you. And there are so many moments where I see people and I think, I want this for them more than they do, and that's not gonna work out for you. So, I really respect you and value all of you. I think you guys are tremendous. I am going to sign off. I will be back in two weeks. If you have any questions for me before then, please feel free to email me. My email is katelumpkincasting at gmail.com. You can also feel free to go to my website. Please go to iTunes and subscribe to the Office Hours podcast in case you missed this live stream. If there's anybody who you think needs information from today, please feel free to share this video, like, and comment on it. Um, Let them know they need to be here next time. I think you all are incredible humans and incredible artists. I look forward to seeing you all soon. Please feel free to come to the Common Ground. Uh, look it up. You can find it on Facebook. We're going to be in the tank next time. Um, and I so look forward to seeing some of you all there and seeing some of you all in auditions and shows and just being good humans. You guys are the best. I will talk to you all later.